I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Rick Henderson and welcome to a very special edition of the Pocket Link podcast that this week focuses entirely on the world's largest consumer technology trade show, CES, which has been taking place for the entirety of the last week. Numerous halls the size of many football fields have played host to a plethora of gadgets, gizmos and, for the first time since about the mid-90s, many gaming devices and accessories too. We sent several members of the PocketLink team over to Las Vegas to attend the show and bring us up to date with the hottest products and much more. I managed to grab a couple of them in between meetings and demonstrations for an elongated chat about the tech trends for 2020, best products and several other things. Hopefully you'll find it as informative as I, so without further ado, here's our transatlantic conversation on all things CES. So I'm joined by Stuart Miles and Dan Grabham, who are both out in Las Vegas at CES 2020. They've been pounding the floor of the show. Um, basically, we're going to talk about different things throughout the show with like general trends, standout products, and then end with the weird and wonderful of CES 2020. So with that it, that said, what we're going to do is we're going to start with general trends. Now, CES always has some product lines that all the manufacturers tend to kind of converge with. Um, so let's find out what general trends that Stuart and Dan have actually seen this year. So we'll start with you, Stu. What have you seen whilst heading around all the press conferences and show floor? I think one of the big trends this year has been, and I was quite surprised by it, I suppose, it's been gaming. Um, not in the sort of sense of there's a big contingency from Sony or Xbox to say here are the big games that you'd expect in the same like a gaming convention, but just lots of companies showcasing products that are trying to appeal to gamers, uh, whether that's you know TVs, speakers, headphones, uh, or you know even gaming laptops. It's kind of this sense of companies have seen that that market, that segment of market has got money to spend and therefore they need to accessorize in the best way possible to immerse themselves in the experience as, as much as they can. It certainly seemed to me that TV manufacturers were looking at that specifically, weren't they, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, they've they've been trying to push towards, in, towards having gaming-orientated monitors. For example, LG, you've got some um, NVIDIA G-Sync uh, models that they've, they've, they've launched and you know that's that, that's that's definitely a a, a, a a big trend at CS this year, um, and we saw some we saw quite a few gaming laptops last year and 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 some the year before, um, but this year it does seem like it's it's this this thing that is that, that's definitely there, um, and also there's 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 quite a few cheaper gaming laptops around. Obviously, you know there's high end stuff that is you know has got. Uh, all the bells and whistles, but there's actually some more accessible um, things from brands that you wouldn't necessarily expect. So that's that's been really interesting, actually. Another thing I've actually seen, Stu, is uh, 8K. Um, we've all bought 4K TVs recently, and we're going to have to upgrade again. Well, this is a really interesting one because I think LG and Sony um, have kind of both come out with, and Samsung have come out quite strong with uh, 8K devices, 8K sets this 
uh, this week. Uh, Panasonic haven't. They're still they're talking to me uh, anecdotally. They were kind of saying, well, they're still trying to work out what's, what's going on. It's very much along the lines of there isn't content at the moment for 8K, but the TV industry is having to sort of set out that stable of, of you know, getting people uh, aware and educated of the benefits of 8K and what it can do and all the other stuff so that by the time you come to upgrade your TV in a couple of years' time, the message will be there that you're supposed to go 8K and that there will be content and on all the other stuff. At the moment, I'm not so sure, certainly for the smaller size televisions, that you actually really need it. I mean, at that, you know, some of the smaller TVs, you're not going to be able to tell the human eye what the quality difference is in 8K, plus all the other elements that go with it of just the cost of filming in 8K, the cost of special effects in 8K and all the other stuff. I mean, it's a, you know, a, a massive leap forward. So they've been doing that, but they've also been talking uh, the UHD, so that's Ultra High Definition Alliance, has also been talking about sort of more options of, of like filmmaker mode and Dolby Vision IQ, which is kind of trying to get this ideology of allowing the director or cinematographer to impose the, the settings on your TV at a, a sort of a, a, an overseeing level because of some of the backlash of, of all these processing techniques that we've seen over the last five or six years. Hmm. I think there's, then there's never been a, a bigger disconnect between where TV manufacturers are at and where consumers are at, because you've got, you've got the, TV company, the, the, the TV manufacturers going, we're moving to 8K, this is where we're heading. Um, okay, so it's still a very premium uh, element of their ranges, but actually... You know, consumers are only just, you know, quite a few people have got 4K TVs, but they have, they're not watching 4K content necessarily. Um, there's more 4K content than ever, obviously, but they're still probably, you know, there's, you know, huge numbers of people still watching standard definition stuff on 4K TVs. So it's, it's, it, it's while it's this, it's, it's definitely a, a trend for the, the consumer technology industry, it really feels like consumers have a long way to catch up with that. Also, it seemed to me that 8K TVs weren't really in the sort of mass market screen sizes yet, because obviously you have to fit an awful lot of pixels into the into the panel, and they've only really sussed out smaller OLED panels for 4K. The two TV launches that I thought were actually probably going to be the most relevant to consumers this week were both LG and Sony launching 48-inch OLEDs. Um, LG was saying, oh, it's for the gamers, you know, and all the other stuff, which I thought was a bit of a weird message. But it, it's this kind of thing of now, you know, if you wanted to go OLED and, you know, it's a brilliant technology and stuff, it's now this year you'll be able to get it and fit it into a British home that, you know, without having a TV that's, you know, half the size of your wall. And I think that will be more approachable and appealing uh, to, to a lot more people than the sort of concept of, you know, Samsung, for example, their wall TV, which is, I mean, I saw it briefly yesterday, Dan. I think you've seen it as well. It's like it's like 200 inches or something, isn't it? It's, it is a wall. Yeah, it's 292, the biggest size, but there are smaller sizes. I think there's going to be a 75 inch um, commercially available, but it is it is the, the the level of detail on that is absolutely incredible. It's like watching. It's like being there. You know, at, you know, obviously, you know, it's always like being there, but it really is incredible the the kind of reality that it it, it can show. But that's a, that, that's a you know that's a modular system, and I think that's that's kind of where we might go with bigger screens. And we did see this at last year's CES as well. This sort of this sort of uh, tech demoed um, that 
for for bigger homes, you would be able to create your own screen size effectively and have a a a, a sort of display on your wall that would not only be a TV but would uh, could display stuff from your phone or you know uh, uh, weather updates or whatever. But it would be this kind of this kind of permanent feature of your room. Um, and whether it would just it could display art, you know, if you didn't have anything on the TV element at that time or whatever. So that 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 could be a a, a trend for higher end TVs this sort of coming decade, really. What I kind of saw um, so far back from the UK angle is that a trend that we've seen in previous years that seems to have completely died down is um, uh, smartwatches and the like. Now, is that because it's it's not as big a deal as it used to be or do you think that's because we've got mobile world congress coming around the corner i think there's a sense that it felt very much like this year was you know cs has always been very predominantly focused on on televisions and home entertainment and, and that way and it felt that this year that that message continued to to be the case uh walking around some of the halls uh of the of the trade show yesterday you know there are there is a, a very uh sort of an undercurrent of, of entire sort of industries that don't that are here that don't necessarily uh, get a shout out. I mean I, I was walking through the the robots sort of area yesterday and, and it just amazed me at how many, you know, how many robots are being developed and worked on that, that sort of companion bots. And this is, you know, this ideology that places like Japan have a very aging population and therefore how do you go about looking after those people that they get old and you don't necessarily have a young population to be able to look after them and so i think many technology companies are seeing that that will be companion bots or little robots to you know to keep you to keep you happy and and, and feed you and friendly whatever you know lg had a, a huge range of cooking robots um as did samsung and you know and then there were the weird and the wonderful kind of things of, of you know bots that looked like you know like something you'd find out of star wars um you know and little drones running around and making sure that you've got a smile on your face it's you know there's some really interesting things but you wouldn't necessarily see them in your local electronic shop what has changed that is is i think the the kind of move towards ai technologies in the last few years and obviously we've we've heard about that a lot to do with phones and the way our, our own devices sort of adapt to how we use them. But actually, the the, the kind of potential of uh, robots and home helper robots, um, for a better phrase, um, also learning what we want from them, I think is, is going to be a massive thing over the coming few years, you know, because um, I think people still think of, of robots as being, you know, they still think of the rise of the machines and Terminator and things, but actually, you know, a lot of the potential potential functions for these devices are, you know, a, a, a fairly simple. But there's stuff that we don't enjoy doing. So I, I, I definitely think that we're going to have these have these devices in our homes. And we've, you know, we've a lot of people got robot vacuum cleaners now, um, and it's you know, it's only a, a one or two steps on from that really. Well, we're going to go to the uh, the proper weird and wonderful products in a little while. First, let's move on to uh, standout products. Let's talk about the products that you've seen actually on the show floor or in the press conferences that have properly impressed you. Um, Stu, you start. 
Wow, uh, there's quite a lot. I mean, we've obviously got this best of, we have a best of 2000, uh, CES 2020, which we kind of picked 15 amazing products. Um, one of the ones that I tested that I thought was quite interesting, uh, I had a play with with the new Technics EAHAZ70W. I mean, it's a name that rolls off the tongue, isn't it? These are effectively uh, Technics's approach to wireless, uh, true wireless in-ear uh, headphones, but with noise cancelling uh, capability. So kind of... We've started seeing this over the last uh, couple of, well, probably over the last year, companies like Bose, Apple, uh, Beats, those kind of people all kind of starting to look at, at not only in-ear headphones, but also noise cancelling. Uh, and these were quite, you know, I had a quick play with them. They, they, they seemed, uh, you know, sounded really good uh, and, and sort of certainly as good as you'd expect from a brand like Technics. Um, Dan, what's what's the standout product that you've seen so far? I think... Um... I did, I've been really impressed with some of the TVs, to be honest. Um, I think the, the the Samsung sort of bezel-less 8K um, QLED TV that they were they were demonstrating actually, you know, is an incredible, just incredible screen quality. Um, and also, it's yeah, 99% picture. There's the, you know you wouldn't be able, almost wouldn't be able to tell there was a, there was an edge to the screen. And like we were talking about with the wall earlier. Um, it's that that's definitely something we're going to see over the next couple of years as as screens sort of try and integrate themselves better with our our our, our homes. Um, also, I know uh, our colleague Mike saw the OnePlus Concept One um, with the sort of um, invisible disappearing camera on the back. Um, that's yeah, it's a concept product at the moment, but I know that's sort of was he, he was impressed by it, and um, and I think we'll probably see that in in some phones this year. I mean, that's a weird one in itself, isn't it? Because ultimately, it's a phone that's been shown at CES that's actually never going to come out. Some of the technology might go down into other OnePlus products, but it's kind of... Do you think it's more OnePlus going, hey, look, remember us? Or do you think um, it it's a worthy place to show something like that? I think there's always companies wanting to sort of try out CES for one or two years and see how they get on. Um even if they're not sort of, it's not a traditional sort of launch pad for them. And I think, you know, OnePlus have definitely sort of thought they could bring that here and and stand out because there's, you know, there's, there's not much uh, phone stuff going on here because obviously Mobile Congress is next month and, and most of it's left till then. Um, but it is, it is, it is a really interesting technology. Um, I think it, it's, it's genuinely different from, from other stuff we're seeing. So I think, um, yeah, it will be in in products. I think you know there there there'll probably be a, a OnePlus device pretty soon with that in. So I don't think it's sort of as, as pie in the sky as I think some people have have painted it as. I think you can certainly see that with uh, the likes of of the Lenovo ThinkPad uh, X1 Fold, for example. Now, foldables sort of foldable screens and devices with foldable screens sort of shot onto the onto the stage. Uh, last year at MWC, and we saw, you know, Huawei with the mate uh, with the with their device, which hasn't come out. We've seen Samsung Galaxy Fold, which has come out, but got criticism. We've seen, uh, you know, demo prototype models from TCL, who again I saw their their latest version, of their folding screen uh, this week, and obviously then we had Motorola at the end of the year uh, last year uh, with the Motorola Razor, which is, is still yet to come out. Um, and this was a laptop that had a folding screen, so it's fascinating to see that you know manufacturers still trying to work out what the best form factor is 
you know we've gone from something like the clamshell razor to this is you know a huge laptop screen that's imagine your laptop that you probably you know use on a daily basis imagine all of that screen and then uh, a keyboard sort of traditional qwerty keyboard then slots over the second screen when you're using it on the go but when you're able to find a desk you can then take the screen fold it in half and then make it this sort of massive screen and sort of almost a you know a desktop monitor screen that you would take with you uh, and tap away so i think that's that's going to be like two and a half thousand dollars, I think, uh, or pounds probably by the time it gets to the UK. Um, it might not necessarily sell loads, um, but it's a good way for Lenovo to show that it is being as innovative as it can be when it comes to products. And I think you see that across the board. A lot of uh, instances in CES is things that you that people are trying to create products that stand out from the crowd in what we've seen is, you know, a good couple of thousand announcements this week that might make it to market. And if so, probably it's not going to sell a huge amount, but it certainly makes people think and talk about it. I mean, the other one for me is, uh, and I know you've seen this, Dan, is, is that Samsung Zero uh, rotating TV. Yeah, that was that was brilliant, actually. Um, so it rotates depending on the orientation of your smartphone. So it's basically a TV designed for um, for people that have got a smaller uh, apartment or home, and but they are probably a millennial, um, and they have um, they they often watch watch videos on their devices. Um, and so this, the, the whole idea is that it easily enables you to transfer stuff to your TV. It, it, you know, just cast it to your TV in the usual way. Um, and it'll also work with Apple Airplay. Um, and, you know, if, you've, if you're watching a vertical video, the, the TV will just flip round, which is pretty cool, I thought. I, I, was, I was pretty impressed to see it, actually. It's one of the things, I saw that as well. Well, saw it from this end. But it's one of the things that I think is pointless though it's really cool but ultimately pointless because technically millennials probably won't bother with the tv anyway let alone probably the cost of the zero tv yeah i i do take your point completely i guess if you're um you know we're still at the stage where a lot of people are uh, are buying tvs for for entertainment so i guess they feel that um you know it's it's a combination of, of both of those sort of markets but um, they obviously feel it's going to work because they've, they, I mean, they launched in Korea um, last year um, and they obviously feel it's going to, you know, going to make an impact. So, um, but it'll be interesting to see how it does. Absolutely. And if, if you know, to be honest, it'll be interesting to see whether it's still around for next CES. I quite like a monitor like that though, um, to look at the website where you could just flip it around and suddenly you can see the website in, in vertical mode. Yeah. And I mean, but also how long is it before we've got actually, you know, Hollywood, creators creating things in, in in vertical scape i mean i talked about this in in the newsletter just before christmas you know i ended up watching the the top gun maverick trailer in you know vertical video on my phone and if more and more and, and for some reason it didn't seem to bother me and so if more and more uh, you know content creators and the way we consume you know movies and tv shows and, and clips and all the other stuff is changing then we'll have to find that the devices that we're using them on or consuming them on will change as well. And I think Samsung is trying to experiment with that here. You know, a lot of people will be like, a vertical TV? Really? Like, that's just ridiculous. But for some people, they'll think that it's just a logical progression of, of where we're going. The day we end up with a vertical cinema screen is the day we can all give up, though, honestly. I do think it's a time for devices to evolve, um, as Stu was sort of saying, really. 
Um, you know, and and this goes back to the foldables sort of market as well, both in phones and laptops. Um, you know, that you know the devices we'll be using in say maybe five years time or ten years time might be quite different than what we're using now. Um, and I think you know that could potentially happen with TVs and other screens, and as screens become flatter and more, you know, thinner basically. Um, you know, with that that's sort of something that will. That, that that's a definite trend that were actually these new form factors could point the way towards sort of a new beginning for some of these devices. I actually get the feeling that considering the way my, my child and I'm sure many parents would think the same, uh, there won't be any TVs in the end anyway. Everybody will have a, a, a smart device and it will all be very personal. But anyway, <laughs> that's not CES's mantra really, is it? Um, that, so, Basically, we touched on it quite a lot, but let's look at the weird and wonderful, the strange and the bizarre gadgets of CES 2020. Uh, what have you seen on the show, so, show floor so far? Stu, there's a tongue twister. Um, is there anything particularly bonkers you've experienced? So there's obviously just a lot of weird things here sometimes. Um, I found myself walking through uh, one hall yesterday where I was unaware of how many not drones, like when we say drones, you think of things flying in the air, right? But I was unaware of how many water-based drones there are. There is like tons of these things, whether it's like floats that, like swimming pool floats that have engines in them for you to like just go faster or underwater things that you can feel like you're, uh, you're James Bond out of, I think it was Moonraker, wasn't it? That's that, uh, one of the ones that starts underwater at the beginning. Um, so that was that thing. I think the one that's probably... the, the might actually make some sense in the future uh, was L'Oreal, the beauty uh, company, was uh, showcasing a product called Perso, which uh, had three elements to it. It was either lipstick, foundation, or moisturizer, and using a series of either augmented reality or artificial intelligence to uh, analyze your face uh, would give you uh, personalized, customized makeup on a daily basis. The lipstick one, for example, which uh, there's a beautiful picture of me uh, on the website <laughs> wearing this, allows you to pick a color from a picture uh, within a certain color palette and then see what you'd look like using augmented reality with the front-facing camera to wearing that, that shade of lipstick. And then if you like it, you can press the print button effectively and then uh, three little canisters, you know, create this squirt out some some uh, lipstick to you know in a certain color that you want and then you can then apply it from there obviously that means you can then change within the color palette you can change that lipstick every day you know variation of color and that's you know really sort of taking personalization and uh, customization to, to full tilt here and with the i thought the interesting ones with the moisturizer was that it allowed you to um not only look at your face so you could say oh it's a bit greasy this week or it's a bit dry what have you, but then also tap into other information like UV index levels and humidity and, and the weather, you know, basically the weather where you are and give you a dedicated, you know, personalized uh, moisturizer plan both morning and night for you specifically rather than just one size fits all off the shelf. I like the idea of that. It was actually really, really good, that one. I, I read your piece. It was brilliant. Uh, go on to pocketlint.com to find out more. Uh, Dan? Yeah, I was really impressed by a product called the Matrix Juno. I don't know if you saw this at all, but it was a, it's a drinks chiller. Um, and 
uh, Matrix are the company behind the Power Watch, uh, smart watch that you it, it powers off your own energy. It doesn't you don't charge it. Um, and they've now come out with this other yeah this other product, which um, I think one one person said it's like a microwave, but it's cold essentially. So you can you can rapidly chill drinks uh, <laughs> with um, in, in in seconds pretty much. Um, and you know we saw we saw it actually in in uh, working at one of the um, events around the show, and uh, yeah, it was it it was it, it was pretty cool actually. I thought this is this is this is this is this is actually something I could really really use. I think we've also with the sort of on the crazy gadget side, we've seen quite a lot of sort of uh, robot pets. Um, there was one called uh, Lovot that um, by a company called GrooveX. Um, and that, that was kind of a almost a like a a, 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 ro- a robot pal that you would you could uh, cuddle or get com- comfort from. And there were, somebody had a had a um, uh, a cat as well that um, you know was basically a a full sort of animatronic um, cat you could have in your home that um, that you know you could sort of depend on, and it would be there, and you know you could you <laughs> could uh, really. Uh, um, you know, really sort of get gain comfort from it. So I think it was it was just interesting to see those kind of things. I mean, there's always a few of those bits around, but it seemed like there was more of those this time. And and you know, it almost felt like um, trying to solve the, sort of the uh, people's sort of loneliness with 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 tech in a way. It was it's quite. Um, so we might you know, I guess we might see a lot more of these if. Uh, if, if 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 we've seen as many as we have this year, so it's quite interesting. Interesting way way where it's heading. I saw a, a again on the cat theme. I saw a, a robot that delivered trays around a restaurant, but it had a cat face and sort of got angry and cross with you if you if you got <laughs> got you know if you didn't eat up or something. It was all very weird. It's kind of sometimes. Sorry, sorry excuse me. Sorry, sometimes walking around. Um, you know the CS and the halls and stuff. It does feel like you are in a, a weird dystopian sort of future that that you you'd only expect to see in sci-fi movies, but it's actually there happening in front of your eyes. I mean, one of the other things I saw, which was you know sort of logical, like there's, there's you can see that some of the, these things have a sense of like a good idea about them, um, but just it's trying to get through. Like Panasonic have teamed up with. Uh, a company called Taurus Motors to create, well, effectively, the easiest way to do would be baby fire engines. Um, <laughs> the, the concept is that a fire, a regular big fire truck or a fire engine costs like half a million dollars because, you know, there's a, it's a big part of a car, you know, big truck to, to begin with. And this was sort of designed for campuses or gated communities where it was only $50,000 and it was like a milk float um, but a little fire truck, and I was at the the Panasonic press conference, and there was a you know what looked like a table with a couple of TVs at the front with a big cloth over it for this magic reveal. And I was sitting quite close to it, and they're like, "And yes, great, look, here we go, it's a fire truck." And I was like, "What? Like, where does that come from?" <laughs> um, so I think there's you know some 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 really there are some problems that are being solved that don't need to be solved, and there are other things that are being solved, and you just you kind of but you have to take back a step back to say okay that that's an interesting approach all right finally um let's have one thing from each of you that you've taken away from ces 2020 that uh that will sum up the show for you so starting with you Stu. 
Wow, that's a tough one, isn't it? I think I think it's that there we're still in that there doesn't seem to the interesting thing I think from CES this year is there doesn't seem to be one singular standout product that you know, I've been coming to the show for almost twenty years and normally there is one announcement, one thing that you kind of think, right, that defines the year. And that's, you know, this it's a hero product and everybody's talking about it and like, oh my God, did you see this? And all that kind of stuff. And this year, talking to the other journalists that are out here and other people at the show and all the other stuff, it feels like there's, we're now getting into a very diversified sort of industry. You know, there's there's not like a hero, there's not a standout TV or there's not a standout robot or there's not a, a standout phone or, you know, it, it's just, there seems to be tech is, is moving. And it's almost at the start of this decade we're still trying to find our feet of what the direction of the industry is going to be for the next 10 years. And Dan? Yeah, I, I, I agree with Stu as well on that point that actually, um, you know, as I was talking about with the devices before, we're still in a bit of a phase where it's it's very unclear what was happening. I was actually going to say, um, you know, I've seen quite a lot of 5G at the show. Obviously, 5G has been a theme over the last year or so. That's And, you know, we've got networks now. Um, we've got some devices, but we're going to see stacks of 5G devices next month from the Royal Congress. Um, but it feels like, fi- and, and, and it feels like 5G is is, is something that um, uh, you know will come is coming to a lo- load of laptops. Um, and I think you know, but I think it's it's a there's there's so many categories vying for attention at CES that it, it's become this um, this show that actually. Um, it doesn't have a singular, doesn't have those sort of standout things anymore because there's just so much stuff. Um, and I think, you know, Samsung, for example, used to dominate the, the show with with its sort of narrative, I, I always felt. Um, but actually, that hasn't been the case this time, I'd say. I think, um, you know, also on the, the sort of laptops front, um, we're, we're entering a really interesting phase for, for those devices. Um, we, we've seen a lot of this at the show. We've got a lo- load of um a you know amd uh, have got a, a new laptop processor that actually is 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 good um so the first time for donkey's years that they've had something that is 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 worthy of um you know the biggest the biggest um computer manufacturers putting it into their laptops um, and we're also seeing intel squeezed on the other side from qualcomm with their efforts to to get snapdragon into pcs and so I think that's a so that's a really interesting interesting area, and I think actually um, the competition in that space between the, those key players that I mentioned is going to be really interesting over the next year. All right, brilliant. Cheers, guys. Thanks for joining us from sunny Las Vegas. Enjoy the rest of the show, and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. So that's all for another edition of the Pocket Lynn Podcast. Huge thanks for listening. If you've liked our tech chat, we'd be extremely grateful if you review or rate this podcast on the platform of your choice. For now, I've been Rick Henderson and I bid you farewell. Tatty bye. <laughs>